When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are, you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War the Report, Report. Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night war, war, war Room, room. With, your host, with your host, C Dope. It's your boy C the Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike G, G. Get your weight up, strength and conditioning, development. I Jones. Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. With special guests, J, J, G, Let's go! War Eagle and happy hump day, everybody. Welcome to the War Room. Welcome to the War Rapport. We hope you guys are doing well. JG, how are you, man? Hey, it's awesome to be here, and uh, we're just chilling. I'm not drinking tonight, believe it or not. So, uh, what? just drinking a little bit of water. No, hey, just what? Water. Every time you know, the every now and then you got me. Listen, man. What? I understand, brother. I know, I know. Be well, shocked, but uh, I don't, sometimes... don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. This <laughs> <is not gonna laughs> be... <laughs> I mean, I, I can get some in a pinch here if you need me to. Be well. Nah, that's too late. You didn't come with the intentions. It doesn't count. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. So JG, listen, man, we we got you here. It's not every day you come by and, and and bless us with your presence. We just want to know, man, what has been going on on the planes. We know that you know who's in the know. Uh, dead period is officially dead, or at least it's ended temporarily. Auburn has had visitors on campus all week, or starting this week. Uh, with yesterday, been hearing positive news. Anything noteworthy coming out of the planes as it pertains to the impressions? Usually, these trips always go well with the kids. They like what they see, what they hear. But, but anything noteworthy that you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, I was up there today for a while, and um, I, I look at things a little differently than like Jeffrey Lee uh, or Jason Caldwell that would be like recruiting guys. I, I don't necessarily talk to the recruits as much. I just kind of sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. But I like talking to the parents. I like talking to the coaches. I like talking to the Auburn coaches and just trying to see how it's going. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is my first time to see like this Brian Harson group recruit, you know, and it works a lot different than it did when Malzahn and his guys were in here. It's a lot more regimented and it seems like there's always, and I tried to explain this earlier. I used the word catch. It seems like everywhere the kids go, there's someone from Auburn to catch them. So like when they go to meet with Harson. And they come out to maybe go check out an academic center or maybe somewhere to eat or whatever they're going to look at the dorms. There's always somebody there waiting for them, waiting for them, waiting for them. It's just, it's really well done. Not to say the last staff was just like letting kids go and said hell with it, but th- there's just a regimentation and a real sense of purpose that everybody's got their little job to do. That every every little every person has a little role to do, and it really is. It's it's a lot different to me, and to me it seems a lot more professional, and it seems like it's run by people who really understand what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. It was pretty amazing today to see it happen. Nice. It was nice. And uh, seeing Derek Mason, too. I, first of all, I mean, this is the first time I've really hung out with him. Uh, he's shorter than I thought he was. <laughs> I mean, I still don't want to fight him, but he's not a real tall <laughs> dude at all. <laughs> and uh, he's got a good sound system in his Jeep. I'll say that. You can hear okay. it from a long way away. So, uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on. I mean, he's pretty much the same person every time you you see him. I'm like, you just you just can't hear him talk enough about football and about air. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's amazing recruiting wise as well. Yeah. You can just tell he, he could change gears very quickly talking to kids, then switching over to handlers or coaches or parents or aunties or whatever he's doing. He just has this way, man, of kind of changing and, and, and acclimating like a chameleon. Uh, he was out there. I saw him a bunch today. Uh, Zach Etheridge was out there a bunch today. Uh, Cornelius or Corn Williams doing a lot of work today. I saw Nick Easton doing some stuff. Saw Jeff Schmetting. So, I mean, they were out in full force today and had a lot of kids there. They had some buses show up. I know AMG brought like, you know, whatever, 30 guys on their bus. I, so saw, it was, I saw that. There was a lot going on, but uh, they do a great job of just having a lot of uh, energy 
And again, there's this sense of purpose about everything that's going on, just getting the kids to where they need to go. And man, it was it was pretty impressive. Nice. Well, I guess we'll we'll hear more as more information, more more people will continue to visit. I know the the quarterback who committed to us, I think he pushed his official visit back. I think it's Holden. Um, I think he's yeah, he's 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 visiting later on. But nice to hear that that things are going well. Um, We did get a commitment this week from someone who was expected, but this more so out of the transfer portal. We'll talk more about him later on. But nice to know that recruiting is going well. But we haven't talked to you in terms of the transfer portal. Uh, I think I don't know if we had gotten anyone out of the transfer portal by the time like last time you were here. Um, I think we were just talking spring stuff, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, a lot has transpired. Um, and what I want to do for the sake of the show is, is let's start with the defensive side of the ball where there's been the most transition and change and acquisitions and uh, departures and what have you. You know, we've signed six guys on that side of the ball. And I want to know from you, JG, what has been the most impressive signee out of that group, out of that group on the defensive side of the ball? I think for me, it would be Donovan Kaufman. I think I saw him today. He's a little shorter than I was expecting. Honestly, I think he played at Vanderbilt at five ten, and uh, today I would say he's probably five eight ish. But he's he's not small. Um, he looks like he can hit a man, and he looked mm. like he was in great shape today. So. Uh, and he's a guy I'm just looking forward to be an important factor uh, in the defensive backfield. They've gotten a lot of guys. They have probably too many defensive backs, honestly, and they're looking to get more for whatever reason. But Donovan yeah. Kaufman, to me, uh, also talked to Tony Fair today, met him for the first time. Uh, he needs to lose some weight, honestly. Uh, he looked bigger than I expected. I know he plays you know, zero technique or one, uh, so you're expecting him to be a big guy, but I think he was more in the 350 range today, and I think he needs to play somewhere like in the 315-ish range. And so that's, there's a lot of work to be done there, and he's committed to doing it. I talked to him about it a little bit. Uh, but he's a guy that I think if he's really in shape and he's motivated, he could have a big uh, role in this defense. I just think he's got to get his weight down. Get your weight down. <laughs> he knows it, though. He's not, he, he knows. He knows. <laughs> I mean, well, he's going to be in for a, uh, an intense summer conditioning program, right? So I expect him to get it down, just how much it depends, I'm sure. What are your thoughts have been about, let's see, who else Who else have we, who else have we got? The kid from? The kid from Kentucky. Uh, Harris, there you go. From, uh, Marcus Kansas. Harris. Marcus Harris, he's from Montgomery, really, but uh, yeah. yeah, he was at Kansas University last year. Uh, again, uh, probably a three-technique type of player, maybe an end, like in a Marlon Davidson mold. Um I like him. I mean, I I think they're just adding, you know, some high upside guys, guys that have a little bit of experience under their belt. And we've talked about this a little bit on the rundown. You know, a lot of times these schools like Kansas or whoever, Southeast Missouri State, in the case of that, that cornerback, um, they, they sign the two-star guys and a small percentage of the two-stars turn out. But see, a, a team like Auburn can slide in there and start snatching the two-stars that are panning out at Southeast Missouri, at Kansas. And just kind of go through and get them. Let the, let Kansas worry about it, developing the player, and then Auburn can swoop in and get him. I, I I think it's a brilliant move because look, if we're being honest, Auburn's recruiting for the 2022 class is way behind. And if they want to go ahead and get some kids now in the transfer portal, it's going to count toward that 2022 <laughs> bounty. But they, they, I don't think they can fill it up with a bunch of dudes that they can get. You know, the guys they really want, they're not going to be able to get all of them. So to me, it's smart math. I mean, you guys, everybody's thinking, oh, they'll sign 25, but I, I, I feel like if you do that and you're going to say, okay, we'll sign 20, 25 kids next year, I think numbers 17 through 25 are going to be guys that you probably don't want. And if you can go on the portal right now and get guys you do want, might as well take them now. Yeah. yeah. I my agree. thought. That's my I thought. I agree with that. I agree so I think it's that. smart football. Do you think how do you how do you feel about how this coaching staff has addressed needs in in regards to the departures that we've had? Uh, we've lost some guys who we were kind of hoping would contribute with this new staff, but of course, with most coaching changes, you do have guys who transfer out for whatever reason. What are your thoughts on how they've addressed those with getting a Marcus Harris with uh, getting the kid from UAB? Like, what what are your thoughts have been about even Kaufman? Um, addressing uh, Chris Thompson, um, who 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 left. Like, well, how do you feel about how the coaching staff have have these been things that's always been in the works, or you know, what is your what are your thoughts? I think they've done a good job. Um, and and I, as I was mentioning earlier, I think if you can't get the guys you want in the twenty two class, you go ahead and pick up dudes you can get now, and you think have a high upside. So I'm good with that. 
my my issue is we all all of us here know they need a left tackle. I mean, for reals. And I mean, I saw Killian Zier today. You know, he's another guy that is going to compete for that job. You know, he still looks thin to me. He's very tall, but I mean, he just doesn't look like a necessarily a physically imposing presence. Uh, you know, you got Austin Troxel there going to compete. I, I just don't know, man, if they've got it. And so I keep thinking they're going to go lock down a left tackle. They need another tailback, I think, really, really badly because I don't trust. I don't know as any of us trust Devin Barrett to make that switch back and be a reliable third guy. And I just, I don't know. They are filling some holes up, up front and on defense. There's no doubt about it. But I still want to see, like, they still need the number one whiteout. I don't think they have. I think they need another tailback. Tank wants them to get another tailback. I mean, he doesn't want to do this all by himself. He doesn't want 250 carries. And yeah. I, I, and I always think you can do better at, well, Adding a quarterback was huge. I mean, T.J. Finley's going to help. Right. I know Mike G's really fired up about what he can do, at least to Bo Nix, um, and give him some sense of urgency, right, Mike G? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, the portal has changed the game, J.G. Uh, this, it seems like we're a long way from signing day, uh, what we thought was a disappointing signing day with some of, some of what they've done in the portal. So if this staff is evaluating talent the right way, they can they can fill some holes here from departures and you know guys who left the program and um, you know from or just holes that we had from last year. I mean, I, I still think there's some work to do on that offensive line. There's a lot of work to do there. But um, if we can scheme around our deficiencies till such a time as we get to 2023, you know, and then have another good off season in the portal in 2022. While landing some key recruits in that next class, I, I, I listen. I think Harson's thinking that he's going to win now. I don't think he thinks this is a three-year rebuild. I don't but, think he's no. I agree yeah. with you. I think he's ready to go right now, and I think there's pressure at, at Auburn. You shouldn't have to sit around and wait three years. I, I, in my right. opinion, right, right. Auburn's right. a team that should be competing all the time. I'm not saying they're going to win the West every single year. They're not, but. Auburn should never be a team that just gets pushed around um, and they should be able to reload. And to your point, Mike G, I think they're doing that. I think they've made a lot of progress uh, about as good as you could be expected. I did notice in the chat, Ed D mentioned, uh, didn't Auburn get a tailback? Yes. Jordan uh, from Mobile. Ingram. Ingram. Yeah. Jordan Ingram. Uh, Jordan Ingram. Yeah. I saw him today. I mean, he's, he's definitely a, phys he looks like a physical yeah. guy. He's not some little dude. Um, I just was thinking maybe they would find somebody that had some a real experience. I mean, Jordan hadn't played college ball yet. So, that's just what I was thinking. But, I mean, I think he has high upside. And, again, a smart pickup, in my opinion. Yeah. If they're picking them right, I'm all about it. I think this is this is our chance to see how good they're going to be. <clears throat> because I had some questions about how the last guy was picking talent based on how they pan out. Either how he was picking it or how he was developing it. Yep. You know, so our right. hope is this new staff can do both of those things much, much better. That's the hope. And, I mean, the, <laughs> the threshold is not super high. If you're comparing to the last group, I mean, they, they had some pretty big misses. Yeah, that's a sad statement. <laughs> Got a question for you out of the comments. Uh, you did kind of mention this. What do you know about this uh, transfer wide receiver? Are we going mm. after someone? Mm. Is it is it under wraps? Or can you talk? Blink yeah, if you know something. Uh, <laughs> so the, the idea was the there was a kid out of Troy that went in the portal, I think, last week. But he was a slot you're thinking, man, Cornelius just came from Troy. He's got a right. great relationship with those guys. If right. they need him, they can get him. But ultimately, I, I think they really want to roll with Javarius uh, Johnson at slot this year. They've got depth there. They need an X. Uh, they need a, a big old dude, you know, like a, a Darius Slayton or a Sammy Coates or somebody like that. Uh, Seth Williams, that kind of a player. There was a guy when I was on the show with you guys last time that I thought was going to be going in the portal. I still think he might. Uh, the deadline's still what, a month away, so... This kid may jump in or he may not, but uh, the, the guy from Troy, the slot receiver from Troy, was not the guy I had in mind, and I think they're still kind of out there waiting. I mean, you don't really talk to kids until they hit the portal, at least in theory. I'm not mm, saying that yeah. everybody follows that. <laughs> we know so how that goes. goes. They're still okay. looking for an X, though. I mean, we can talk about Elijah Canyon and, you know, if he's going to be the guy, but I think they'd be better off having a proven number one right off. So, JG, mm. would you expect that we do have a... New transfer, OT and wide receiver, um, a left tackle and wide receiver, or is do you see it going either way? Is there something like you know they've got to beat on somebody, or is it still kind of up in the air? 
I feel like if this wideout goes in the portal, they've got a beat on him. As far as left tackle or right tackle, really, I, I just don't hear much about it. I think they'd like to have one, but they're just not out there. I mean, I was about to say, is there anybody even available right yeah. now that makes sense? They need someone to go in the portal, I think, and then chase them. But right yeah. now, I just, I don't, I think they'd have to roll with what they got. Anthony Grant wants to know any news on the linebacker from Texas A&M. Um, I yeah. think this kid was out of Alabama as well. Um, went to Texas A&M. I think he went in 2019, redshirted, and I think he would have four years. And I think Jeffrey Lee mentioned that Auburn, he could end up at Auburn in some capacity, but uh, I haven't heard anything new on this kid. Um, I didn't know if you know anything about this, JG. I haven't heard anything new on him lately. Again, it's always just kind of like they like him and, just see where it goes. Gotcha. Don't have gotcha. any specific uh, intel on that one. Anthony Rudd mentions the, now there was a back from Bama who just entered the portal, but I think he would have like two years of eligibility remaining because I heard he was like a junior or something. He will be a rising junior this year. So I don't know. I don't know if, if, if Auburn is a play for him because you would be behind two guys, but I didn't know if you know anything about that guy. JP, yeah. Key uh, Robinson. Um, I, I know he was out last year and, and I, I, I have not heard anything credible that Auburn's pursuing him right now. No. Gotcha. Yeah, man. So, so this, in other words, you're, you, we still need a tackle. I mm. think so. They may not think though. I, Harson said, we're going to roll with what we got, but uh, we, he kind of has to, still right? <laughs> I don't I didn't have to. If somebody's in that portal or pops in, we still got a little bit of time left. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and, and, and talk about, we did put up, we did put up a uh, a banner, or we do have some information about a, a new, the new guy Jordan Ingram. Here's some of his information that uh, you guys may have read. Uh, this kid was he's six feet. Uh, that is right, JJ. He looks about six feet. Or yeah, he looked about six feet to me. Um, they say he's gained a little bit of, uh, of weight. Um, Two fifteen. He was ranked the twenty fifth recruit in the state back in twenty twenty. Was the thirty fourth. Uh, running back in the 2020 class. He will have four years of eligibility remaining and he will count towards the 2022 class. I believe he will actually sign officially in the fall. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that's how that's going, right, JG? Yeah, that's how I understand it. They call these blue shirts now, which is different than a walk-on. He's not a walk-on. Uh, he's going to be on scholarship. He's just he's just counting ahead one year and you can do that now. Gotcha. So you sold on them? Do we? Do you want some another running back, JG, or are you good with this? It depends on what the other options are. I mean, if there's a left tackle they can get, uh, that'd be my number one. If there's an X receiver they can get, that would be my co-number one. Uh, but if you find out, if you get into, you know, late June and you don't have those guys on the board, yeah, I think I would try to get myself a tailback, another one. N not that Jordan Ingram is, is bad. I, I just think he's early in his development. He might end up being an awesome player, but I don't think he's going to be an awesome player right now. Mm. And uh, Hunter, uh, the kid from Philadelphia, Mississippi, I feel the Darkness. same way about him. He's an interesting case. He's he's an insanely strong tailback. Like, he's not going to be your slasher, dude. He's just going to punish people. And I, I'm curious to see kind of what he's like. He's bigger than Shivers, but it seems like he has that same kind of he wants to kill people attitude. And, and I, yeah. I always like watching guys like that develop because Tank has it. And mm -hmm. Tank's insane. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, Shivers has it and he's not insane. So it's it's interesting to see how each kid can figure out how to make it translate on the field. No, I mean, Jordan Ingram is, is a, um, I think he's, he's an impressive get, like, like JG said, is that I think the issue for, for most of these, the, the one thing about running back though, I, I think that that is an easier role to step into and be a contributor early. The only issues that you're going to have typically with a running back, um, early are going to be pass protection, right? Like, uh, it's, it's more instinctive at running back, right? It's find the hole, hit the hole, as opposed to like blocking assignments are going to be things that kids have to learn a little bit more. Um, so if he's just coming in to spell, then that's fine. But if, if there's injury issues, I think that's the bigger thing of wanting someone with experience to come in at that position. It's just, you want someone who you can have that can come in and not just be a guy to bring in on a package or in a, you know, a, a red zone situation or short yardage, whatever it may be, or just a one or two plays to spell a guy um, so can he be an every down back if Tank gets hurt? Knock on wood, right? Um, I don't know, right? We have to see. But uh, it is encouraging. I hadn't seen um, him run too much, uh, but to hear him say that he's a, uh, JG says he's a physical style of back. In this system, you're going to need to be downhill. Like they're not, they're not pussyfooting around back there. We're, we're hitting holes and we're going, that sounds really 
pornographic. Okay. Anyway, but we are doing that uh, aggressively in this system. But yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> anxious to see how this aggressively in this system. All right. Yeah, I do think they're going to be doing some different kind of running. I, I think they're going to be going outside zone more, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of a one cut run. You know, exactly. I think the best I've seen at that is probably Todd Gurley. I mean, just yes. thinking about recent NFL guys. So you're looking for somebody like that, whereas Tank was more of an inside zone runner. I think he can be great. I think he's just one of those talents where he can do whatever yeah, the hell they no, want him to yeah, do. Right. He can put a foot in the ground and get to it, man. That that open field cut that he made in A-Day is just an example. Like, just yeah. you put a foot in the ground and change direction. Um, he, I, I don't I don't know that there's a system that, that Tank can't work well with. That's right. He's just a dynamic right. back. Shivers actually will do better in this outside zone system, though, because that's more his style. I think he's going to be great. But I think you'll see the tailbacks will look a little different, um, maybe going forward. They're going to be a little bit smaller than Tank, maybe. Because <laughs> Tank, to me, Tank's like a generational talent. Um, you, you don't just go out and find another Tank or find another Cam Newton. Right. Uh, they're right. not out there. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my thought on that. Shout out Corey Dub. Got a question. Isn't the Texas wide receiver coming in to play the X position? Ring any bells? I uh, just still want an X. <laughs> gotcha. I, mean, I, I, I still want an X. It's, you know, got 50 catches, to 50 college catches to his credit. I want that kind of player. What about James Barnett's question? We did pick up an offensive line guy. I think he's coming on as a preferred walk on. Preferred walk on. Yeah, um, what are your thoughts about him? Still need a tackle? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's good to add depth, uh, especially with Prince Michael Salmon saying he was going to bounce. Um, yeah. Not that he was going to play a whole lot, but it just thins out the room a little bit. So I think it's yeah. good to add some guys that maybe you can get some uh, some good snaps out of down the line. But uh, yeah, it, it, just might as well add more more to the to the show. But they need they need a tackle. Tackles. Anthony Rudd here says, "Hal Presley, have you heard about him? Has he arrived yet? I have not seen him." Um, but there's guys I haven't seen, so I, I can't really speak yay or nay on that one. I've been doing more basketball sleuthing as far as that goes right now. Let me address Tim Darden's question. Jay, what is your gut feeling, given what you have seen about Harson's success going forward recruiting against other top SEC programs? Is it too early to tell, or do you have a feeling about that? Well, I, last time I met with you guys, I said it was too early to tell, but now that I've seen a little bit uh, in person and I like how enterprising they are. I love it. Um, they're not sitting there playing the, let's go after the guys we think we can get. I think they're going after everybody. And I think that's a great way to start. And again, the regimentation that I saw today, uh, just, I don't know as a regular person would notice it. I mean, I've just been there so many times for uh, recruit visits uh, through the years, starting with hell with Terry Bowden when I first started, all that kind of stuff, when it was a much different operation back then. It just really seems like a group of people that understand what they're doing and they're doing it well. Uh, and that makes me think that their recruiting is going to be better than I expected the last time I talked to you guys. And it also makes me think uh, this team's going to be better. It's going to be coached better than I thought. Not that I thought they were going to be bad. I just, I really just want to see what this team can do from a coaching perspective because I really like what I've seen so far. Yeah. How much of that has to do with how Harson is structuring his recruiting department, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's it seems like he's bringing in like a different, he's got his recruiting coordinator that he brought from Boise. Um, you know, we heard a little bit about how this guy was one of the first to kind of innovate during, you know, uh, virtual visits and things of that nature uh, last spring. Um, you know, do you think this is like just kind of a, a byproduct of him just taking what they were doing at Boise and just applying it to, you know, higher profile recruits? That's a that's part of it for sure, but I th- one of the, the big difference for me with Harson versus Gus, uh, and I'm not saying Gus is the high water mark. I'm just saying that's what we've been dealing with here lately. Is that Gus? It seemed like everything always had to have some tie to him. So like the guys that he would trust had to either have played for him or like worked for him as a GA somewhere or whatever. Harson's out here empowering guys that he has not worked with. I'm specifically talking about Derek Mason and Bobo, uh, and saying hey. I've got some ideas about this. I got some dudes that I want to work with, but I respect you guys have been in the SEC. Uh, Derek Mason, head coach at uh, Vanderbilt. Mike Bobo, obviously in a few places, but most notably Georgia. I trust what you guys know about the SEC. Why don't you give me some suggestions? Tell me some guys that we need in here and we'll do it. So this group that they've got off the field, and it is absolutely massive, the number of people they have. I bet it's two to one over what Gus had, maybe two and a half to one. Hmm. A lot of these guys... Harson didn't know. 
And so it's a, to me, it's a total break from what Gus was doing, where everybody had to have some tie to Gus. I feel like Brian Harson is trusting other people to help it help it come along. And so to me, it just looks like a lot more talent. I, I, and we talk about player talent, but I'm talking specifically about coaching talent. Yeah, talk yeah. about you know, off the field guys, uh, assessors, yeah. uh, uh, analysts, all these associated people that are helping them with recruiting. Uh, you've got a lot of dudes there and 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 gals too, and I think it's going to be a big difference. I, I want to give kudos. We talked a little bit about the uh, the job that Easton has been doing so far yeah, as far as right. just being out there and being an advocate. I want to give some props to Zach Etheridge as well, man. Yeah. I think he's done a phenomenal job of just being out there right. and, and, you know, being an advocate for us in, in these transfers. Um, you know, of course, Derek Mason's been doing his his work because he's a he's a DB guy, man. But Zach Etheridge has been putting in work. I, I like what I've seen so far from them as far as their approach to going out there and finding talent, whether it comes from like, you know, you're seeing on Twitter where guys are saying, you know, we got our first offer and, you know, Zach Etheridge is the person that they're crediting for it. Like, I right. just like the work that they're out there putting in, man, with this staff. Um, it feels really good to, to feel as if um, there's not going to be a competency level drop just because the experience isn't as high as it was previously on the other staff with, mm-hmm. with specifically with recruiting. Cause that was one of the things we talked about with Nick Easton coming in, like, is he going to be out there ready to go on the road and hit and hit the road and recruit? It seems as if he's had a vigor about recruiting so far. Um, so it's been good to see. Mm-hmm. I got him today, though, man. I got Zach. Uh, when he was coming through high school at Charles Henderson High in Troy, he went by Zacchaeus. That was, everybody knew him as Zacchaeus. I Ethridge. remember that name. And I, I covered him then and because, and you know, I, I worked for the uh, newspaper in Montgomery, so he was kind of close to where I was. And so I followed him all the way through. And so I hollered at him. I go, Zacchaeus Etheridge. And he was like, he gave me that Bruce Arians gif. You know what he was like that? Yeah. <laughs> I know, nobody ever calls me that anymore. I was like, yeah, but I know you, man. <laughs> so if you ever want to get him, call him Zacchaeus, man. He'll, he'll turn his head to you. <laughs> I'm going to say JG told me. I know, right? Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report. And you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there. Facts and all, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Building Report, going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. We've had uh, a, a lot of discussion about what's in a recruiting budget, JG, right? Like when you say, when we look at 2019 numbers, we got outspent, you know, by the top schools in the conference by over a million dollars in whatever you have to report for recruiting. So do you think what you saw is a byproduct of them kind of redirecting dollars toward recruiting, you know, when it comes to staff allocated to do recruiting tasks or I'm starting to hear maybe because our last coach micromanaged and only kept those people close to him on certain tasks. You know, maybe that's why we didn't spend more on recruiting. Then that limited us some in terms of reach. You know, do you think that's what's going on? I think that's a big part of it. I think it's something that Alan and uh, Harson got together and talked about before he got hired and said, I have this vision for a much bigger recruiting element. I think Alan started that. I I felt like last year or, or there were other times I've talked to Alan about it and he's, He's always had a concern about recruiting. He, he understand. I guess because maybe he got recruited himself uh, to play baseball at Notre Dame, and he's familiar with how recruiting works, whereas maybe some of the other ADs that Auburn's had didn't understand that part of it. Mm. And uh-huh. I, I felt like he always was watching recruiting like a hawk, much more so than your average AD. And so I think that was a big part of what Allen wanted to accomplish with this hire. Because let's be real, he went out on a limb to do this. I mean, yeah. we all know that, right? Yep. It was tough for him to do this. Listen, listen, you guys are going to hear about it very soon. We talked to him about this very topic when he came and talked to us. So, uh, cool, cool. Yeah, we did. We did do that. I'm stoked that he got on with you guys. He's Alan Green is absolutely awesome. Um, Really, really stoked to be covering him as Auburn's AD. Yeah. Before we transition, uh, I do want to acknowledge one one question by Corey. We will get a chance to, to, to talk about this since you spend a lot of time on this on this sport. How you feeling about the team that Bruce is putting together on on the, on the hardwood, man? That's my man Corey Dove right there, Montgomery guy. Um, yeah. So keeping up with these guys, the transfers that are coming in, only a few of I think half of them are in are in school right now. Uh, Walker is working out with the team. Jabari just showed up the other day on time. I mean, they expected him to come in. Um, a couple of the other guys. Let's see. Wendell Green is practicing with the team right now. Uh, the thing is, Desi Sills not looking so good. I, in fact, I. 
told the bunker today, I don't think he's going to play at Auburn. He's hmm. not in Auburn. And hmm. I think that situation is uh, thorny. We'll, we'll put it that way. Hmm. Um, and then Zeb Jasper, the point guard from Charleston. I, I believe he's here this weekend, but he's not here for good. Uh, he's still got to go ahead and graduate at Charleston. So I think he's got one class left. He'll be in here in July, I think. Uh, and then uh, Katie Johnson coming in from University of Georgia. I, I think it's going to be more like August for him. Uh, hmm. So just kind of keeping an eye out. But this team that they've got together, as Corey's alluding to here, I love the pieces he's got, man. BP, you guys are smart. Uh, the people, you, first of all, you guys on the show, the people who are watching the show know what BP's doing recruiting-wise. Yeah. It's been insane. Yeah. Um, right. And this is another situation where he's adding a bunch of dudes, portal and traditional recruiting. They're going to have a lot of talent next year, and I don't think they're ever going to be short on point guards again. <laughs> mm. Yeah, listen, uh, that was a problem last year, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it, with 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 um, him not being able to start the season and then any injury stuff that was going on, it made it really painful um, to watch them try to operate in the half court without a true point guard on the floor. So um, looking forward to seeing that happen in, in a better way um, when we get to the basketball season. Yeah, you've got three guys who can play point now, assuming KD gets in, and he will. He'll be here in August. Indeed, 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 indeed. Well, listen, JG. Yes, sir. TJ Finley is an Auburn Tiger, man. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. big. Talk about this for me, man. What what have been your thoughts on TJ Finley, just the player? Of course, we got a preview of him last year when he uh, was with the other Tigers and didn't go so well in Jordan-Hare, but we've seen him actually uh, play well um, against the team we lost in South, lost to in South Carolina when he actually carved him up. So in your opinion, man, what is Auburn getting in TJ Finley? Well, yeah, he had a very poor game against Auburn, so the, the we didn't see the best part of him at all. He was kind of a mess, but it wasn't really his fault. Had a great game against South Carolina, like you mentioned, Caesar. Um, I love what he brings as far as he's got experience at a really good program, and the fact that he could, if Bo Nix wasn't here, I think come in here and play and be solid. So what that means to me is now Bo has to change gears a little bit because he knew, right, it, He wasn't. he's going to beat out Didi. And he's going to beat out Grant Loy. But TJ Finley, he can play football. And he's played it at this level. So I think that's going to have to spurn Bo into maybe being a little more accountable uh, to change some of the things about his game. And I know Mike G has some very strong opinions about this, but you know, we were having an argument today. I don't know if Jay Lee mentioned this on the show, but he loves talking about this. If Bo Nix played at Georgia, right, with a, a really nice complement of wideouts, offensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera, would he be a better player? I don't think he would be because I think Bo is Bo, whether he's playing for Alabama, Georgia, or Auburn, or whoever else. But I think T.J. Finley might uh, might be the the spark that he needs to become something better. My mm. opinion. I love the fact that T.J. Finley's here, though. Love it. Wait, let, before Mike goes, because I, I don't want to interrupt him when he goes. <laughs> J.G., to what you just said, you said you think Bo is Bo no matter where he plays, right? More or less, yeah. Okay, so... How much do you think it's possible that coaching in the right environment, and by environment I do mean competition behind him, can improve the player that he is? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I mean, I trust Mike Bobo to get some of the stuff straightened out, especially the footwork. But if, if he's scared, I, I don't want to say Bo Nix is a scared player. I mean, I, I can't judge that. But we see him flee the pocket a lot more than you would expect for somebody last year with his experience. I don't know if you can fix that. Al Borges used to tell me that all the time. I can't fix a scared quarterback. Mm. And if they're scared, they're always going to be scared. If they see the rush, they're done. And Bo, I think, sees the rush more than he should. So I don't know. If you believe Al Borges, you think it's, this is going to be a problem for him the whole way through. Maybe that. Maybe things can change. I don't know. I mean, I've seen kids so many times I've covered at Auburn mature a lot through their first two or three or four years at Auburn. Maybe this is what's going to be for Bo. Because I think for Bo, I think he's too fiery. I think he freaks out on the sideline too much. And that's to say nothing of the overthrows and whatnot. So it's going to spurn him to have to be a better leader too, because TJ will slide in there and he will command. He'll command some respect because he's going to work his butt off. He's a good player. He's got experience. And so Bo's going to have to step up in that, in that area too. That's the one thing I will say about what I got from TJ Finley, even in the game where he didn't play well against us is that, for every lick that he took, he never looked scared, even going back in the game. They talked about on the sidelines how he was going in there. He was 
talking to his guys like, you know, I, I, if I, I've watched this game film a ridiculous amount of times and it's the broadcast footage. So I hear them talking about the sideline report where TJ's on the sideline and he's like talking to his players. And he's like, if, if uh, what I just heard from him on the sideline is any indication, those guys better be out there and get their hands ready. Like he was ready to get back in the game and compete, even though he was getting absolutely destroyed out there. Right. And he seemed as if he had a command of the sideline well enough where guys were confident that he was going to come back in there and he was going to bounce back. Um, and he doesn't seem like he's shying away from the competition from all indications. We've talked about this before. Everything that you hear him saying is that I didn't come here to sit at number two. If he happens to be number two, fine. But that's not his intent when he comes here. He's coming to compete for the number one spot. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that competition births. Hopefully it brings something very good out of both of those guys and we get a competent number one QB uh, by the time we hit game one. I think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a comment earlier that I thought was a good one. Auburn Dad for Life says he ain't scared talking about Bo Nix. Uh, he hit people when he's running, JG. Yeah, I, I, that's probably a bad uh, word choice on my part. It's more about seeing the rush and panicking about the rush than it is being scared. I, I don't mean that. He will go out there and hit somebody, and obviously, he'll play through pain. I mean, we've seen him do mm -hmm. it. So it's not being scared. It's just he's seeing the rush, and he's letting it unduly a, affect him. There's a difference between, uh, like, some guys don't mind delivering hits, but they don't like to get hit. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. just that's just a fact. Like there are some guys who um, I think uh, I, I don't want to say the wrong name. I want to say it was Richard Sherman. I was hearing a story about like where he when he initially started playing football, he was playing offense. He preferred playing defense because he was the guy that got to deliver the hits. Right. Like, he didn't like getting hit, but I don't mind hitting somebody else. And there's a lot of guys who are like that. And Bo Nix, is he might just be one of those guys who's like, listen, if I know the hit is coming and I can lower my shoulder and hit a guy. It's not a big deal. But if I just got to stand there and let somebody run into me full speed, I'm not signing up for that. Right. And there's just some people who can stare down a rush and they'll be OK. Um, but I mean, it is what it is like. And uh, I don't and fear from Bo Nix at moments don't scare him. But I do question whether or not he likes the pressure of being in the pocket, stuff collapsing around him. And he's able to just remember composure is probably a better word. It's not that he's not, yes, it's right. not that he's scared. Yes, he doesn't right. have composure in the pocket or he hasn't, he hasn't demonstrated that on a consistent basis. That's not to say he can't do it. It's just that on a consistent basis, has he demonstrated it? Haven't seen it yet. Right. So uh, composure is probably a better word. What I want to see also <laughs> from Bo too, is how does he bounce back from a bad series? Yeah. Like if he throws yeah. a bad pick, I mean, we saw this in South Carolina when he throws a bad pick or a bad play, uh, he, he kind of continues to, to just spiral. We've seen that happen mm -hmm. to him. Can he bounce back? Can yeah. he come back out there and and after a pick and then drive down to lead them down the field and score? You yeah. know, does he shake it off? So those are things that I want. I would like to see Bo do. And again, you got a guy behind you who's to your point, JG is pushing you, forcing you to have to do that. Right? He's not going to have a perfect series every time. So how does he respond to that? Is something that I'm interested in seeing. And how many series does it take for Bo to struggle before they do put in TJ? I mean, does it yeah. take two? Does it take five? Is it is it eight? You know, yeah. famously back at Florida a couple of years ago, everybody was ready for uh, Joey to play, and and no, no, we're gonna stick with Bo. <laughs> and uh, you know what happened? You know, the rest is history, man. I think. Yeah. I mean, but you know, listen, we we've said it before. We've said it over and over again. A lot of, I think, the ills that happened with Bo Nix have to do with the way that the plays were called for him. We can get into a position where we have the coaching staff see that he's struggling, figure out how to change or alter the game plan to get him some. Because Brian has said this many times. Buell has talked about how Bo's like a rhythm shooter in basketball, right? Like he's got to see a couple of them get completed once he does that, you can see him start to complete more and more. Are we going to be able to put him in a position where he can he can get a couple layups, right? Just see see the, the ball go into a receiver's hands. All right, cool. Let's get a rhythm going and change the trajectory of what's going on with him. Or are we just going to say to him, hey, man, go out here and make the throw. I'm calling the right play. You got to throw it right. Like, that's just not a recipe for success for Bo because he's going to start pressing. You see it. I, you've seen it in, in his game over and over again. When he starts pressing... He, he gets up there and he's, I mean, he's throwing the ball. He's throwing fastballs every time. 
uh, his accuracy, accuracy starts to get more erratic because he's not really thinking about what he's doing. He's just throwing with anger. And that's not a recipe for, for success for Bo Nix. Uh, his, yeah. his emotions uh, tend to lead his play rather than his, his, his headiness. Um, and and what we've yet to see him be able to flip that switch to say, okay, now calm it down. Let's dissect what's going on. Go out here right. and, and lead a drive. I haven't seen that yet. He he gets into hero ball, and uh, that means you're you're essentially going to be playing one on eleven at that point because all right, th- the play be damned. I'm going to go out here and do something. That's not a recipe for success um, yeah. with a football program. Well, I just think you know Bobo is a very calm individual. Uh, Harson is a very calm, calculating individual. I'm hoping that maybe, you know, those two guys working with him as much as they will, uh, you know, he could take some of those traits and uh, apply them to the field. You got my G. Oh, is it, is it my turn? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> my turn? Yeah. I mean, every yeah. time we start talking about Bo, I get accused of hating his, his entire existence. <laughs> right. Um, so um, all the all the analysis of Bo's play is a non-starter for me at this point. Like, you know, t- to me. Either he's going to go out there and he's going to do what's going to be asked of him at at a serviceable level, or he's going to sit. And bringing TJ Finley in, to me, is just a clear sign that the coaches want another viable option to go with. Now, for eight years, every offseason, we've been sold that the number two just missed the job. They just missed him out. We have two guys we feel like can go out there and win us games, Right only for the number two to come in and look light years behind the guy who did win the job. Now, we got to the spring and, you know, we saw what we saw at number two. And then we saw clearly they felt like Didi was three vying for two. And the only thing that was really holding him back was experience, you know, uh, and just being kind of young. You know, I still think that he's the most talented quarterback on this roster, but the coaches feel like he's not ready. So moving on from that discussion, you've got Bo and they bring in TJ. Now, what I saw on TJ's tape last year was a lot of what Ike said. You know, he got pummeled, man, and he didn't he didn't look scared even when he was getting hit. He didn't. He, and, and I didn't see him make a lot of boneheaded plays. I throws either. He, he took sacks. He went down. You know, and the arguments that, that have been made for our previous quarterback, and this is not about me disliking Bo, right? Like, this is just, come on, man. Like, it's, it, this is, you're a third-year quarterback. It's time to just get the job done. And all the analysis of why he hasn't been able to get it done and, and how the previous staff hurt him, great. Okay, cool. Let's move past that now. That happened to you. And I don't think it's fair to the team or to this staff to blow another year on his possible non-development a whole nother year. So I don't think that his leash is going to be that long. If TJ can show in practice that if he can convince the coaches that he is just, just as serviceable an option, because here's what I saw on a day, right? But both through like what? 20 something passes. And on at least 12 of those passes, they had the ball out of his hands in under two seconds. That wasn't that common last year. He just dropped back and they had him throw the ball. There was some good and there was some bad in there. So I think the scheme is going to be set up for him to make plays within the scheme of the offense. And he's either going to make them or he's not. But all this throwing the O-line under the bus every single day. Our O-line was so bad, any, anybody would play bad behind that O-line. Do you know Joe Burrow won the Heisman in 2019, and he got sacked almost 40 times that season? I think it was, the exact number was like 36 or 30, you know, somewhere between 36 and 38 times. He got sacked. He, there were a lot of times where he did not have a clean pocket. And all I saw was him just take hits and deliver the football while being hit. So to the point about feeling the rush, I, uh, JG, I'm telling you, everybody I've talked to has said the same thing. They don't know how you fix a guy who feels the rush the way that Bo's feeling it. You feel it when it's not there, and then you're running when it's not there. They don't know how to fix that. It's something innate that good quarterbacks just either have or they don't. So the only thing you can do for a guy who feels the rush is hope that that changes for him. Or... You have to design plays that just get the ball out of his hand so he doesn't have to worry about it. 
But the expectation cannot be our quarterback needs another year, but we need our O-line to play perfect for him. That's crap, man. I'm, I'm tired of having that conversation. <laughs> the quarterback can, 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 can be imperfect, but the O-line has to play perfect or he can't do his job at all. What? I'm sorry, man. I'm just not buying that. Like, it's, you know, and what I hope TJ Finley represents, I hope this represents for Bo, the, the mark in his life where he realized what he had to do and elevates his game. We only win if he does. TJ Finley, to, to Ike's point, has made it clear. It's another thing that people got, they got his words mixed up. He's not coming here to sit. And he said some things about being a good teammate and, and helping make Bo better. Yeah, that's not by holding hands and singing kumbaya. That's by trying to take the job. I'm coming here to take your job. And I'm going to make you better because you're going to have to get better or you're going to hand it over. Let me hold them keys. You take the bus. So I'm I, like, I just, I'm telling you, like, I hope that this is, I hope that they're both fired up. I hope, I hope Bo takes it personally. Say the right things in the media. Welcome, TJ. Welcome to the Auburn family. Great. Cool. <laughs> but I hope that he takes this personally. I, t- I hope he takes it personally enough to do everything that TJ is doing and then some to make sure. Because if you're going to come in, if I'm both, you're going to come in and take this job from me. You're going to have to lay your life on the line for the job. You're just going to walk in here and do what you did last year and take it from me. But what's apparent to me is that Bo cannot do what he did last year and keep the job. I don't think these coaches are going to stand for that. And meanwhile, don't sleep on him. Demetrius Davis is in the background waiting on both of them to F up. He is. He is not taking this line down. He put it out. He feel, he feels disrespected and overlooked in this conversation. So they're releasing videos on social media of him throwing lasers. Now, Bo went to a D1 facility and he was working out with the, the Tennessee guy, right? The Tennessee quarterback. For all intents and purposes, Demetrius Davis is an Auburn Tiger. He holds a lot of high school records in Texas at the highest level of football in Texas. He's not a slouch. He's got talent. And he's here to show everybody why he should be in strong consideration, if not at the end of this year, next year for that job. I don't care how many years Finley has left. we got to have guys who want the job now. Because if Finley doesn't want the job now, throw him back. All he said about not winning it now is if for some reason I don't win it, at least the guy I'm competing with is not in my class. That's all he said. That doesn't mean that he plans to be number two. So we'll start the season with Bo. Probably. (laughs) We'll start the season with Bo probably. But by the time we get to Penn State, JG, give it till halftime. If we don't if we don't look competent out there and you're breaking out of the pocket. And then move on. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can support us by visiting our merchandise store. You can find links to the merchandise store on Facebook and the About section on our YouTube channel. If you would like access to more premium content, visit us on YouTube and click join to become an insider. War Eagle, and now back to more of the show. Okay, so so to to your point, and, and by the way, by the way, I do want to address this, Mike. Uh, Corey, Corey said this while you while you were going clean off. Uh, so Bo has to elevate his game, but the O line does it. That's not what it, I don't think. That's what Mike no, G is saying. No, 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 no. The All argument, the argument on social media that we've been hearing people say is that Bo's improvement is dependent upon the O line completely better. Right, like like Bo doesn't have to do anything. Actually, the O line has to. The improve. argument is that the reason why Bo Nix is whatever people say about him is because of the O-line. And right. that's just pointedly not true, right? The now, argument, I'm not saying yeah. the yeah. offensive line has no responsibility in that. Like, there is right. definitely a gray area that people are missing here. And we are living in that gray area when we start making these conversations is that, yes, the offensive line needs to improve. 
We've talked about it ad nauseum. J.G. Tate has said many times, we need to have offensive tackle talent, right? Like right. we know right. that there are things that need to happen. We had a whole chop. Hear me when I say only thing we will mention tomorrow on the Chop It Up with King is offensive line, line play. For those of you who think we never talk about the O-line, sign up for uh, the, the membership. You get in there, you're going to hear us talk offensive line with a guy who played it for years at Auburn and for years in the league, right? right. We are going to discuss the offensive line. We've done it before. Not going to be a new thing, right? Right. Offensive line needs work. Everybody knows that. That is like, you don't, you can turn on 20 seconds of game field and re- film and realize, man, there's some guys out there getting beat, right? Right. That is separate and apart from saying Bo Nix has things he needs to work on. Right. Right. Both Not- things can be true at right. the exact same time. And there are things that Bo Nix can do to elevate his game that have absolutely nothing to do with the offensive line. If we can focus the conversation when we're starting to have that conversation on two different things, people will be a lot more safe in having this conversation. So offensive line needs to get better. Yes. Bo Nix needs to get better. Yes. Play calling needs to get better. Yes. Yes. That is why the offense has looked atrocious because literally everything was bad about it except for our ability to run the football. Yeah. It was all bad. The wide receivers were dropping passes, running the wrong routes. Bo Nix was not being patient in the pocket. When he was open to do things outside of the pocket or in the pocket, he was inconsistently accurate. His footwork was atrocious. His fundamentals were bad. The offensive line was missing blocking assignments. All they had to do was run a stunt up front, and they acted like they didn't know what happened in doing pass-offs from people. Blitzens was, uh, you could not pick up a blitz with this offensive line to save your life. If they blitzed somebody, it was going to be a free rush, right? All of those things are true, and we've talked about all of them. This is why I say at the same time, if TJ Finley becomes the starter, there's a whole other problem that's introduced because he is does not have the ability to escape that Bo Nix does. He doesn't have that just that natural alarm that gets him to get out of the That's why he was getting crushed during our game because when the offensive line breaks down, TJ's going to sit there and he's going to take that hit and sometimes it's going to be bad things happens. The overthrow that happened, Nehemiah appreciated almost took it back to the house. The other interception that we had, that was a tipped pass. And then the right. last one was a blitz that happened. He fumbled the ball on it, right? right? Things like that happen to a guy who's willing to stay in the pocket, which TJ Finley is. He can operate within the pocket, though. I've seen him do that. I've seen him come off of a first read and maneuver within the pocket, come back out to somebody else. However, not the same kind of escapability that Bo Nix has. Bo Nix just has that naturally. Problem is he relies on it too much. Said the exact same thing Sunday. I'm going to repeat the same thing. For me, the guy who wins the job is the guy who figures out how to do the thing that he doesn't do well better first. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, bottom line is we talk a lot about how a bad O-line affects a QB, but we never talk about how a bad QB affects an O-line. When you want, I talked to King about this. I was like, what was it like blocking for like Michael Vick? He said, Mike, it's hard blocking for a guy who never stays in the pocket because you never know where he's going to be. Yeah. And you see those guys who block on those lines traditionally get holding calls and, and things of that nature because your guy in the pocket is freestyling it all the time. Yeah. You know, so when you form a perfect pocket and your quarterback drifts into pressure to make a throw, fans who don't know what they're watching think that guy didn't do his job because he didn't keep the D lineman 10 feet away from Bo. Now, man, move your guy, your direction and, and give the quarterback options. He still has a role to play. To slide around in the pocket where the protection is good and then deliver the football. I think if he can just do that one thing better this season, then he'll pro- he probably doesn't give the job back. Yeah, because the essential issue is him against the rush, right? They knew yeah. he wasn't going to burn you if we blitzed him. Go back and look at the Georgia game. There were very few plays in the Georgia game where they didn't bring an extra rusher and they didn't burn him. Not one single time. The one time that it could have happened, Anthony Schwartz is wide open. He overthrows him. Listen, this is not rocket science, people. Football is that they've been playing football for for, for not centuries, for decades. (laughs) Right. And the game hasn't changed all that much. You have five guys up front. Maybe a running back in the block, right? There's only so many people who can block at one time. Right. 
The theory behind the thought is confuse the people up front and then make the quarterback find the hole. They confused the people up front. Quarterback wasn't finding the guy. And then we had plays where it was third and five. Every route is 15 yards. Makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, the scheme was god awful. Well, listen, I want to ask, because you mentioned something, Mike G, about Penn State. JG, Bo Nix is on the road against Penn State, and he's playing kind of, okay? It's halftime. Finley's right there. In your opinion, what happens? What happens second half? I we I got to see more. I mean, I, I I like TJ Finley right now, but is he going to be able to go into camp and make the throws in scrimmages to convince Bobo and Harson that he's worth a shot? I don't know yet. Mm. I think he can. I think he can, and I'm not the world's biggest Bo supporter ever. Uh, but I've seen Gus at a time when I was like. Hey, there's no way I'd run Bo back out there, and he ran him out there again and again and again. We just don't know what Harson's going to do yet. I just have to. Mm. I, I mean, I know we need a big answer, but that—that's that, what I see right now. I don't know yet. Yeah. Mm. Enough, but, well, I don't know. Did, did you answer this question though, JG? Like, what do you think them bringing Finley? Do you think that the move is about depth or is it about true competition? I think it's both, but I—I I, I definitely think it's 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 better depth. I think they looked at Grant Law and said, Nah. And I mean, Didi. I know Mike G. I know you love Didi a lot. I do too. I think a lot of him, but he's not even supposed to be there yet. Like he's still supposed to be a senior in high school. So he's doing a great job. For me, he's ahead of schedule. But no, I don't think he's ready. Nobody looks at him and says, "Yeah, we can we can win against Penn State with him right now." Right. Just give it give it a little bit of time. Nice. Well, listen, JG. If I don't see any other, we had a lot of questions, but. It's kind of hard to scroll back up and see them, but uh, yeah, we got a no. lot of all stars in the chat tonight. My goodness, we yeah. got Jazzy Joe's here, Corey W's been going off, Julius yeah. had some good stuff, mm. man. It's, Todd Cordes yeah. had some good stuff, and you got some really smart, smart folks. Well, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, Auburn fans is you know among among the brightest, uh, and and we happen to have the brightest of the brightest, uh, as well as on your show as well. So, man, we appreciate you, sir. I appreciate Definitely. you. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you got you, you, you got you got to give us you got to give us a, an in depth Gus man one, one more one more can't leave without doing it. Well, I once asked Gus what he liked to eat on the road. You know, if he had to get a, something to eat in a pinch, he goes, "I'd probably go to Crystal and get me some cheese pups." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Somebody eats those, man?" <laughs> yeah, I do. Crystal's yuck. I know. That's exactly what I thought. And he's not fat or anything. You just think a cheese pop or something. Good golly. You got to be low to be eating those. It'll be a bad night. <laughs> We've all been there. I mean, I just didn't think it would be him. No doubt. Well, thanks again, JG. We right, appreciate guys. you, sir. Thanks, and uh, until we see you soon, man, War Eagle as always. Right. See you, bro. Eagle. See you guys. Amen. All right, man. Peace. Well, guys, I mean, uh, there he is. JG made some statements about this quarterback competition. So uh, made some pretty strong statements about uh, about about a quarterback there. So, yeah, I think the thing that he said about him feeling the rush was was the most poignant. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just got to do a better job feeling the rush this season. If he can do that, then, um, you know, he will be a much improved quarterback. Right. He'll also help his line out a whole lot. You know, and and most people are going to say, oh, but the line got better or they would this. I'm like, no, man, it all works together. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and he's got he's got he owes something to this O line as much as they owe something to him as well, too. That relationship is not just one way. You're quarterback and you hold the ball too long. You leave your O line hanging out to dry. Um, right? Yeah. Question by question by Ed Darby. I think we'll see both QBs in the first two weeks. Yes. The, if the two note weeks. If we don't, that means that. So th- there's two yeah. sides to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we're not killing the other team and we have to keep the first team in there, that means the office is looking very putrid. Right. So that means, uh, you know, I, I don't know how quickly that means we give the yank to the first quarterback. Uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to see both quarterbacks, right? It's it, it's it's one of two things is happening if you see both of them. We're either doing really really good and we're blowing the other team out, or the offense is doing awful and you got to throw the other. I don't think it's going to be a juggling thing where they're going to rotate both guys in and out though. Um, right, just to see right, get game right. Time. Yeah, yeah. You blow them out and Finley or whoever's two gets in, yeah. right? 
or your starter is struggling. So right. he gets in. I mean, it could go either way. Um, but uh, I hope we see the backup for good reasons. I just hope we see the backup. How about that? Right. Yeah, for real. Yeah. That, we, that was something right. I just hope we see the backup and, and the game is out of reach and we get to see some meaningful reps. And again, yeah. that's I got I got to tell you when I you know, I have gone back and forth a ton just trying to like, you know, the other day I had a nightmare and I woke up and I was like, man, have I been have I been too hard on both? Let me go <laughs> check some stats and see, you know, if I've been unfair to both. Right. Like, you know, and I went again, I went back and I looked at, you know, what do good quarterbacks do? Uh, you know, is has our O-line really <laughs> failed him that much? And in, at the end of the day, there are just some quarterbacks who are special and they have special gifts, you know, not only physically, but up here. Part of that is feeling pressure, feeling the rush and knowing how to manipulate the pocket. That doesn't, oh, you know, I mean, if you've ever watched like Tom Brady play or some of these, 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 they, these guys manipulate the pocket in different ways. They have to. They can't run like both. And they complete a high percentage of their passes because they get the ball out of their hands and they go through their reads. And I think it really just does come down to that for him. When you go back and you again, I, I keep saying it, but, you know, uh, the, the most comparable, if we don't want to use Joe, Joe Burrow, you know, I just watched t- 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 Kyle Trask play his game the same way. Mm-hmm. He got hit a lot. He got sacked. His receivers dropped passes. You know. And he still made it to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And he was so, not a, a physical specimen. Uh, no. He's not an yeah. incredibly gifted guy. He just, he knows where to go with yeah. it. He stood in there, took the hits. Marlon Davidson fell on his leg. And and wasn't Dan, Dan Mullen was hot about that. But he, yeah. he had to be yeah. in there to take the hit. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I just I just watched the, the, the again, when you look at the better quarterbacks, I, I didn't see perfect O-line situations except for maybe at Bama. But even if they had some deficiencies on O-line, it was covered by the fact that their quarterback did not hold the ball very long and he was deadly accurate. So even if their O-line was a little like uh, the play calling and the QB helped them out a ton. But if Mac Jones sits back there and holds the the uh, the, um, the ball for four seconds on average, I doubt their O line looks that good. So I'm just saying that it's a two way street. You know, I'm, I'm sick of everybody throwing our O line under the bus and then acting like white knights because they're defending Bo. Stop caping for Bo. You know, and if you go going to cape for him, cape for everybody else the same way. Yeah. Right. You know, K for this O-line, man. They, uh, I mean, it's last time I checked, they got feelings, too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they get tired of op- getting on the Internet and, and reading about how terrible they played last year and why all those problems are because of them. I'm just not buying it. There's no statistics to support that. The tape doesn't support that. All it supports is that everybody on offense can play better. Right. And that the scheme could have been a lot better to help all of them. You know, there's an old adage about, you know, hey, you know, game, games are won or lost in the trenches. Like, how good can you be on the lines? There's still a lot of truth to that. But that does not alleviate the responsibility that each position has to their teammates. So, you know, and it's all over the field. It's wide receiver to quarterback, you know, uh, O-line to QB, QB to O-line, QB to wide receiver. They all owe each other something on the field. Looking at it only one way is, is, is not a good thing. And I think that that's where Finley has an opportunity. On the plays where he c- could, if you plug him in, if he could come in this year and just be better manipulating the pocket from the pocket and be 5 to 6% more accurate, I think he takes the job and he doesn't give it back. Because statistically, that's going to be a huge leap for Bo from under s- sub-60. Now, right now, yeah. Finley is sub-60. So, you know, it's just going to be really interesting to see. I'm interested to see how this this staff is going to manage this, right? Year one, and you got a QB mess you got you to sort out in year one for this staff. It's an unenviable situation to be in for Harson and Bobo. But if they can fix it, man, listen, I, I'm all in. And when I say fix it, I mean just make it look serviceable. 
make it look yeah. markedly better than last year. So as fans, yeah. we can look at it and just say, hey, man, listen, that didn't go perfect and we didn't win every game, but it looks like they're taking steps in the right direction. Right. You know, our receivers are going to need that, too, man. These young guys are going to need good ball placement, man, and good design plays for them to get in a rhythm with no experience. With no real in-game experience. There's a lot of youth there. Help them out a little bit. Because they're going to suffer big time, man. How experienced is our O-line now? One of the most they're, experienced. They're experienced. They're right. pretty experienced. Right? They need help from the O-line. Our quarterback is one of only two. Is he the most experienced quarterback in the league now? He is the most tenured quarter starter. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah man. He owes them something. This O-line and QB owe these receivers something as two of the most experienced units in the league. That's all I'm saying. I didn't realize but I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I just don't. Unless they're just blatantly dropping wide open passes, I don't want to watch fans fry our young wide receivers who have no game in-game experience. Right. Short of just dropping stuff or maybe just completely not doing their job or not blocking, you know, picking up blocking assignments. This yeah. is going to be a lot about the guys who have all the experience for helping bring them along. Being leaders. That, yeah, that's how good teams work. Yeah, being leaders. So Bo and O-line together, man. Go out for lunch. You know what I mean? Go to pool parties together. Figure out how to get some chemistry and how you can help each other. Bo, help us out, man. Don't hold the ball. Stop running out to your right. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys you know what i mean we have max protect max protect me <laughs> cool anyway <laughs> hashtag get your weight up shout out to all of you guys in the comments man um highlight a few because y'all are hilarious anthony Grant was like man where were these getaways when it was just you guys and like me and two other people on Facebook? <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have no money bro we were gonna give away we, we no got money. a weight up is what yeah, happened we could have gave away some canned sodas <laughs> 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 hope it's not hot when it gets to you <laughs> right give some stuff out of our hamper like we, we, we we've come a long way my, my yes, friend man, we didn't even have no merch back then bro yeah, not at all on. not at all not at all but we appreciate you guys hanging out with us on a Wednesday night and please be sure to share this video guys on your social media so people can see this great content it's always a good time when JG Tate comes on and hangs out with us not just us but you guys as well so please be sure to share that so the people know that this great content is out here please add us at the war report on Twitter use hashtag get your weight up either on Facebook and or Twitter please like and subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already please do that I already mentioned the war report on Twitter we're also the war report on IG as well and on TikTok we are at TW report we're signing off, guys, but we got more content on the way, so stay tuned. But until then, and as always, War Eagle. War Eagle.